Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from a campground at the very rim of the Grand Canyon. A world-class attraction, if ever there we was We have one. stayed at a lot of national parks. And this this park we've been to two or three times, and it is a wow. One of those places that you just have to say, you got to go here. you got to come to the Grand Canyon because you have to see it on your own. It's just fabulous. And obviously many people agree yes. because we are <laughs> overhearing languages from all over the world. Yes. Um, and we get on the bus and we don't even – English is not even the main language. And when we pulled into this campground, which is the one with the full facilities and utilities, Trailer Village it's called. Yes. The sign said it was full, but when we got here, it was like maybe a quarter full. And we thought, hmm, hmm. what's going on? on but, but then we realized that what all of our neighbors are from other lands and they are driving <laughs> and rental rvs rentals and they tool around the park all day and come in at night and the park was full but of course having been in southern and central arizona for <laughs> well up until three or four days ago frankly it has been very cold here by comparison this is a good preparation for us to go home again to the Chicago area. In where, April, we'll be home. Where it really is cold. Um, we're wearing long pants and shoes and socks and jackets, as we haven't since the beginning of January. Obviously, most of you will not feel too sorry for us, because this winter has been dreadful for many people in the U.S. Yeah, and what's interesting to see, as we drive from Rincon, which was uh, in Tucson, we have now driven, I don't know, it's, we, we haven't filled up with fuel <laughs> but once, so we haven't had, driven very far from here to the Grand Canyon. But we've stayed at a lot of interesting campgrounds, and you know, it's interesting to me to see the differences and the and the choices that you have to make when you're getting a campground. Now, of course, all of you know that we stayed in Tucson in a very luxurious, nice resort for geezers. For geezers, that cost about twenty two dollars a night, and. Six fifty a month, yeah. something like that. So, yeah. and with uh, full hookups and everything, um, we had to pay electricity. But it was a lovely park. We liked it very much. But we were in a parking lot more yeah, or less. Yeah. And when we left there and we went to a state park, it was so nice to have elbow room to uh, feel a little bit like you were out in nature. But right away, we were starting to sacrifice <laughs> things like the utilities, which and, we get used to. And I had to start worrying about is the gray water tank fall or can i cook this and this together because it'll be using up too much electricity so yeah, so we went to it's a trade-off we went to a few state parks because we kind of craved having uh, some space and uh, some views and boy we went to some nice ones we went to catalina state park which is frankly just outside of tucson oh end. but we first of all we did some boondocking yes down in Ajo, where we visited stoke organ pipe national I monument get this name wrong. <laughs> Not stovepipe, organ pipe. Organ pipes are cactuses that are similar to saguaro, but they're not. And uh, that's the very northern end of their range. They really grow more in Mexico, and it's a very boony sort of place. A lot of people who like to boondock uh, yes. stay in that area. Lots of BLM land around. And we boondocked at a golf course. <laughs> 
<laughs> and played golf. Yes, we played boondock. We boondocked, and it was amazing because they would let you park in their parking lot for free, and we were just one of two people who did, If as long as you ate a meal and or played a round of golf. Both of which we did, and both of which we enjoyed. So that was, so that was a, yeah, that was, and of course the round of golf was only nine dollars, yeah. so wasn't exactly a, a huge expense. But we spent three nights boondocking there, and uh, then we went to Catalina, which oh, beautiful park overlooking. Oh well. Very nice the mountain. Catalina Mountains. Catalina Mountains. And, and on the north end of Tucson, so if you need to go to a nice grocery store, but, they were close by. But the Arizona State Parks are 30 bucks a night for water and electric. No sewer. So you have to make those uh, those trade-offs. And that means you can't stay as long as you might like to stay, unless you want to pull up stakes and go to the dump and dump and come back to your site. Which I guess, well, we see a lot of the... The blue trolleys. Yeah. yeah. How many of you guys have blue trolleys? We don't even, we haven't even have ever even one. thought about getting one. No. I mean, when you're, as much water as we have, the blue trolley just doesn't seem worth it. 60 gallons. But it means we can't boondock for more than a week. Yeah, and even a week is, is stretching it. Uh-huh. Four nights is, is good for us. So from there, we went and did uh, another very nice park. We went to uh, our, a friend of ours, uh, the Lost Dutchman State Park outside of Phoenix. <sighs> another great park. was It was nice. Uh, we were there last year. This year, there were the flowers in bloom. We did a moonlight walk. Mm-hmm. And that, once again, uh, had the same stipulation. Very nice park, wide open spaces, lots of uh, space at your site, but water and electric only. And for four nights, we had to do boondocking because the sites were so busy. I guess it was because March and spring break and that sort of stuff. So 30 bucks a night, but only $17 a night with no hookups. But, of course, that even is more of an inconvenience. And certainly Phoenix is a bigger metro area than Tucson, and we started feeling the impact of spring break, and we started feeling the impact of spring training baseball season. (laughs) Um, We are very uninterested in baseball, (laughs) but But that's the fact that they had built a brand new park for our loser loser team, (laughs) the Cubs. Cubs. Um, We went and enjoyed the park and enjoyed the experience very much, even though the Cubs lost 13 to nothing. Well, I think the spring training atmosphere in phoenix is just kind of an unbelievable thing to us and something we didn't really understand before there are people come out out. fifteen thousand fans for a spring baseball game and there wasn't any competition and and, and of course (laughs) because there are many teams that have spring training there they can all play each other and that brings all their fans to the area and that makes it crowded on any given day there must be a a lot of people going to see baseball games but if you're interested in baseball I guess that's one of the places to go and of course the the Citrus League down in Florida and certainly it was much cheaper than going to see the Cubs at home yeah but it wasn't really all that cheap I mean if you got a real seat it cost 24 bucks I think we talked about this last month but uh, it's really kind of a shocker what they what they get away with and you pay for parking and blah 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 but but 
with that said, it was a fun experience. <laughs> and, and certainly I would have to say that the Phoenix area is a mecca for people who are escaping the winter. Um, Lost Dutchman Park was right next to the suburb of Apache Junction, which you had the impression would be a ghost town <laughs> if there weren't so many campgrounds oh, there. Tons of um, a million choices of all prices and amenities. And at this time of the year, where they were talking 22 bucks a night for a full hookup site, which is uh, pretty good. So we come up here to the Grand Canyon and 35 bucks a night and it's this is amazing within a very close distance to the actual Grand Canyon itself. I mean, we're within We could a, walk to the rim. We're within a half a mile of the rim itself. We are paying 35 bucks a night and we have full hookups, cable TV, very nice park, uh, paved sites. Uh, somewhat unlevel, but uh, and a lot of them. I'd say there were over 300 and 350 sites here, which is really nice. We enjoy having this uh, facility so much a part of a, a national park. And as a matter of fact, the five nights we're going to stay here, it would appear to me at this moment that we probably will not leave the park for the entire five days. Well, there's nowhere to go. The nearest town is 50 miles away. <laughs> well... But we don't have any desire to go. I mean, they have a grocery store. They have they have everything you they need. They have everything you need right here in the park. Uh, the Grand Canyon is uh, set up for visitors. I'll tell you that, and for lots of visitors. And um, as the park has become more crowded, they have added a more and more extensive shuttle bus system. And even though we don't like to use mass transit because we always want to go and we always want to go, the buses run regularly and fairly quickly and are really pretty convenient. I think they've done an excellent job, and they've built some really nice facilities, uh, transit points and places to catch the bus that have uh, pavilions and places for people to wait while they are waiting for the buses. And, and there are lots of restaurants. I didn't realize there were 900 hotel rooms here, too, in addition to the campground. So when the, when the place is full, <laughs> there are lots of people here, plus, of course, the people who drive in. And tours. But it is big. Mm-hmm. And well, it is spectacular. Yeah, I mean, and a nice day. The Grand Canyon. Just you walk Knocks up to it. You just you don't off. know that it's coming. I mean, we drove from Williams, Arizona, where you get off the expressway. It's sixty miles, and it's flat and kind of dry, ugly Scrub. looking. And then you come into the park, and there's really nothing to see. You know, there's no mountains or anything. And then you walk up to the to the rim, and it's like, oh, wow, my God. you know, the, the red rock and the Colorado River and, you know, just all the stuff. So a few thousand pictures later, <laughs> we still are only halfway through our trip, and we are looking forward to many great experiences. Sunset over the Grand Canyon. Tonight. Hopefully we'll have some pictures of that for you to take a look at. Lots of visitors coming here from all over the world, and I think that... <laughs> I found this article, which I found very interesting. It's from a magazine that I that I get called Travel Weekly magazine, and rarely do I have do I cross pollinate with the RV Navigator because there's nothing it's in about here about hotel RV trips and plane trips. But and they had cruises. the headline in this week's issue was called RV Blind Spot, talking about the fact that. Travel agents in the United States don't think about rental RVs as an option for vacationers. And that thousands of people come from outside the United States 
and through travel agents in their countries, in different their own countries, and that those travel agents book RVs through some companies. And I'm not going to read the whole article. Of course, we will have the link on the RV Navigator website. Uh, which you can go link, look at. It, uh, to me, it's a very interesting article. But uh, a few things I would like to share with you, and many of these people are here in the Grand Canyon probably as we speak. With a fleet of between 1,500 and 2,000 rental RVs, El Monte RV handles tens of thousands of passengers each year. Its largest competitor, Cruise America, has a fleet of more than 4,000 RVs. Now, that's a lot of RVs, and, of course, Americans can rent them as well as foreigners. But despite the plethora of product and the fact that these companies have travel agent programs that offer commissions, and despite the fact that travel agents abroad are selling RV vacations like hotcakes, U.S. agents have not honed in on a market that lives, arguably thrives, right in their own backyard. So if you're an RVer or a potential RVer, maybe you want to take a look at some of these companies that actually rent RVs. And of course then the other, they talk some more about that, and then Fantasy RV Tours, for example, assembles itineraries in the U.S. and abroad with international itineraries, which can range from a five-day tour of the U.S. starting at $975 per vehicle to a 37-day South Africa journey starting at $14,495 per person. An RV caravan, and we've done the South Africa one, does Fantasy rent RVs for their tours? There's no reason why you couldn't. You, but you would have to do that well, yourself. Well, I mean, of course, overseas in, in South fans. Africa, they, they, took, care of them them, they us, took care of that for us, which yeah. is why the South Africa one would be so much more expensive. Most of them, you bring your own RV where you get it is up to you. Right. And so this is a really nice way for people to start off maybe in RVing. Plus, you meet a lot of interesting people, too. And people that are deciding whether they want yes, an RV right. or how big of an RV they want to handle. That's a good way to... Fantasy get- RV Tours moves about 1,200 passengers each year and, though has been in business for more than 20 years, it realizes few sales through travel agents. And not because the company doesn't want to work with agents, working with the trade has a lot of potential. So that would be uh, another interesting option if uh, people would be interested. (laughs) And then one of the other things we see here are juicy vans. They're very colorful, purple and green. (laughs) First time we've seen them. We saw them in New Zealand. Zealand. We saw them. Another more budget-oriented RV rental company is a brand-new entrant into the U.S. market, Juicy, J-U-C-Y, a camper van company based out of New Zealand that grew from 35 rental cars in 2002 to a fleet of 700 of its trademark purple and green camper vans throughout New Zealand and Australia. The tricked-out vans, which have been customized by shipbuilders, featuring a pop-up for additional sleeping area, an inside and and dining area, and an entire kitchen in the trunk, complete with four burners, a sink, fridge, tableware, pots and pans, and everything. As their popularity grew in New Zealand and Australia, the founder decided to try out the U.S. market. The vans are currently available for rent in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas, with plans to open additional rental locations in the upcoming year. So the ones we're seeing, we've seen at least two here in... They come from Las Vegas. Must have come from Las Vegas, yeah. right? So we knew this uh, this product was attractive to the American market, he said. 
There are millions of registered RVs in the United States, but no one was really dealing with that small, compact RV space. We also realized that we did that we had a lot of travel agents who sold us in New Zealand and Australia and who would sell many more people in the United States. The juicy camper van rentals ranged from $35 a day during the low season to $100 a day in high season. They've caught on fast. Juicy's vehicle inventory in the United States is now 175 and it's looking to add another 100 by July 1st. So that's another option. If you're looking to rent, you might want to take a look at uh, at Juicy. And uh, take a look at our website and click on the link to, to read the entire article. It is, uh, <laughs> to me, pretty interesting. We did have a visit from a couple of listeners, Bill and Diane. And Bill uh, put us on to something called the Gorilla Ties. And Gorilla Ties are, I don't know what to call them, big twist clips that you use to hold things together. Like holes or wires? Like hole, hole, right, and they come in a variety of different lengths. I bought a complete set with a variety of different lengths in it. You twist them. They're hard wires so that you twist them with that are plastic-coated, and they hold things together. Nice tip, Bill, and he also learned something from me because he uh, liked my 50-amp pull cable, my pull handle from Coil & Wrap. So if you want to take a look at those, uh, take a look at our website. Uh, thanks, Bill, for mentioning that. And, of course, he was nice enough to post that on our Google, Google Plus, Plus page. Site, yeah. Our Google Plus page now has 88 viewers. Wow. It's amazing. And it has lots of posts. And if you are in the mood for looking at something about RVing, you might want to take a look at the link on our webpage so that you can be a member of the RV Navigator Google Plus page. I like to see people's name. When we look at the download statistics, they're so anonymous. Yes, right, right. It's a, And it's fascinating to see how fast it's growing. Um, we've been picking up 30 or so listeners every month. Oops. And I assume those are listeners, too. I don't know. I would have, would have to be So there. thanks a lot for joining, if you have joined. And thanks, Bill, uh, for the tips. And we're glad to share some ideas with you, too. Well, and there are some people who have actually, some of our listeners who have actually been spinning off You're skipping. podcasts. Can you believe this? The RV Navigator has has spinoffs. <laughs> kind of like... Like what, a sitcom like where a some sitcom. of the characters, the beloved characters, go out and create their own sitcom. And Mike, who uh, actually started our Google Plus page, has now gone off on his own. And I hope he doesn't leave the Google Plus page, but he has started his own podcast. And believe it or not, we're going to give him a plug because we appreciate all of his hard work. And we know that uh, there's lots of space out there for more RV navigate, RV podcasts. And we uh, like to see more people joining in the, the fun. So if you are interested in, in taking a look at another podcast, you might want to take a look at Mike's new one. And his is called The RV Campfire. You can find it in iTunes. I have a subscription, and so should you. And it's at the uh, www.thervcampfirepodcast.com. Why he didn't just get RV podcast or RV? Maybe it wasn't available. It was because I looked it up. Uh. <laughs> and another listener, Mike, has. Uh, started a, a video podcast and theirs is called <laughs> adventures in a hallway i like that that is kind of how you feel when you're living in right. an rv and he has three or four episodes done of uh videos and the latest one was uh 
upgrade tips in their motorhome. They were we met them in Las Vegas and they were buying their motorhome. We actually haven't seen it in person. We hope to see them in the not too distant future. And they have a different approach to RVing and that he is working while he's on the road. And Spent some time in Milwaukee in the this winter. winter. I can't so their their itinerary is at least partially determined by where the work is. Well, we're here uh, doing lots of great things for photography, taking thousands of pictures, and I wanted to share with you just a couple of ideas. We've had a really fun time with this new, uh, new piece of software that we've used called SnapHeel. And once again, you'll find the link to that on our website. SnapHeel is available for iOS, Macintosh, and Windows at least, and maybe probably Android too. But what does it do? Well, like when we were at, at Slide Rock State Park, it was full <laughs> of people. And the park oh, and the yes. canyon is beautiful. And having some pictures with people enjoying Slide Rock and sliding down the river was, was fun. But sometimes you don't want to have all those picture, people in your picture. So you import the picture into Snapheel and you highlight the things that you want it to erase. And voila. And it does. And it replaces it with new background, which wasn't there. That it draws from the immediate area. It's an amazing little piece of software, and it is very effective and very reasonably priced. I mean, $25 or something. And if you need to erase stuff... Or, Big stuff or, or little phone stuff. Phone wires. Sometimes phone wire, that's really well, annoying. Right. All sorts of little things. Your next door neighbor RV, you want to erase them in your picture. So all of these things can be done with Snapheel. Oh, and by the way, I sh- we should mention that we spent a week in Sedona. Sedona was really cool, too. Yeah, nice Sedona, Arizona. Too. We had great weather there. And Sedona's another one of those places that you drive and drive and then nothing, and then all of a sudden, the red there rocks of Sedona. And they're in a very small geographic area. But if you're in the Sedona area, which is north of Phoenix, be sure to stop and spend some time there because lots of nice hiking, very scenic, and lots of interesting things to do. And be sure to take the pink Jeep tour. Well, if you don't have a four-wheel drive vehicle of your own, you should take one of the Jeep tours because you want to get into the backcountry. Yes. That's where the great scenery is. Yeah, we spent a whole week there, and it was uh, quite nice to to see that area in detail. So we have done some great things in Arizona because yeah, Arizona has a lot of interesting yeah, a lot things to, to offer. do. Because we've really just kind of worked our way up the middle yeah. this, this whole winter. Before we head home. Ooh, back to the cold. When we were still at home uh, before Christmas, we were watching the Today Show, and they have a segment called Steals and Deals, and the um, reporter was talking about a special uh-huh. deal from restaurants.com, and we bought um, a, <laughs> a, a super deal. We bought a $400 value card for $40. In fact, we thought it was such a good deal, we bought two of them. And with this card, you go online to the restaurants.com and look for restaurants in the area where you want to eat, and you plug in your gift card number, and you get the certificate for free. And depending well, on well, your no, strategy, you are probably getting... You're probably getting um, a two-for-one meal is kind of how it's worked out for us. But what I want to say is when we were at home, there really were not that many (laughs) restaurants in our home area that were appealing to me at restaurants.com. And you can only use your gift card 
once a month. So I at any given restaurant, and I thought that was kind of limiting. But we have really gotten a lot of use <laughs> out of it as we have moved even in smaller towns down the highway. Um, we've been amazed how many places we could find that had one or two or ten restaurant.com choices. By and large, the meals have been just fine or more than fine, yeah. and and it was a really good deal. So, in other words, we buy the coupons for one-tenth the cost because we got a $400 card, which we paid $40 for. So when we get a $25 coupon, it costs us only two fifty. So we get $25 off of the, the meal, the meal <laughs> and it only costs <laughs> us two fifty. So that's a pretty good deal. And as she says, we have been surprised that we've been able to use them throughout the country. And you don't have to have a printer. You can use it. It, it also has an app, so you can you right. can buy the certificates over with your phone and show your certificate on your phone. When I bought it, I really thought of it more as something we would use around home. But, right. And it's changed to me now to be a good card to use whenever you're traveling around the U.S. Now, if you don't have a chance to buy the card, you can go on the restaurants.com website, and they frequently have deals where you can buy a $10 voucher for $2. Mm-hmm. So it's the equivalent kind of price ratio that we got. Because um, I, I don't know if that special deal that we bought at Christmas time is always available, but it's worth a look. Take a look at restaurants.com to see if the deal is still available. So we have uh, some emails from listeners. And they are kind of asking us how we prepare our home before we're going to leave for a long period of time. One couple is planning on going to Alaska for the summer, which is something that we well, strongly endorse. And they are wondering how to to get their home ready to leave while they're going to be in Alaska all summer. Yeah, Ann and Max uh, sent us this email. It says, we retire on 4-1. Congratulations. The day the podcast comes out. And we will be leaving in a few weeks to slowly make our way north, depending on the weather, with plans to spend most of the the summer in Alaska. Uh, But his question is about our house. And how do we manage to leave our house for such an extended period of time? Well, one thing that we did that not everybody can do is that we bought a house that is easy to leave because it's in a gated community um, and our lawn care and snow removal is taken care of for us. And those can be worries if you're leaving a more conventional home because you certainly don't want your house to look like nobody is living there for three months because that would attract robbers. Another thing that we always do is turn off the water because mm-hmm. in the winter pipes could freeze and in the summer something could happen. Right. And why have the water pipes um, leaking all over the place? But basically, other than stopping the subscriptions and changing the mail, letting Ooh. the neighbors know, we don't have to do much. Because our house is, uh, it is standalone, but it has a very small yard, we live uh, very close to our neighbors and... They always are watching out for our house, and many times uh, I've gotten emails within the last week or so from our neighbor that says uh, everything is okay, and he's looked in our house, and you know it's easy for the neighbor just to kind of drop in and, and look at the inside to see what's going on. That's about all we have to do, so we're very lucky that way. And as a comparison, uh, our monthly association fee, and for this we get uh, indoor and outdoor pool and activities directly, is less than $200 a month. Now our friends who we met out here in Tucson who live in a, a big size house and a, in a yard and that sort of stuff in a regular neighborhood, they were paying $25, $30 for snow removal. 
for their standalone in the, home his, in his, the Chicago area. In the Chicago area, and this year he paid something like $400. Because it had to be done so often. <laughs> because it had to be done so often. So I consider our fixed association fee, for which we get a lot, including the exterior maintenance, to be a pretty big bargain. And, you know, if you're thinking about full, well, part-time full-timing like we do, <laughs> you might want to consider uh, a Sun City type of a uh, setup. And certainly when we were still working, we always had somebody who was um, on tap to keep an eye on our house. Sometimes it was um, Ken's mom. Other times we had... Uh, students that we trusted who lived in our mm-hmm. home all summer while we were gone. Um, but I, I hate to just leave it totally alone. That that would worry me And I think much. one of the things that we've done is is that uh, we don't have any pets or any real obligations. We do still have some houseplants in our house. <laughs> and I have this contrivance, which is on a timer, that spurts water into my houseplants um as I have it set, which is once a day because it's a very small amount of water. And my beloved sister-in-law comes over once a month <laughs> to fill the water reservoir so that the houseplants can still be alive when I get home. But one of the things that I'm doing is uh, putting more and more automation into our house as it becomes available. This is the first time we've left and left on the Internet. One of the main reasons is because I wanted to have our Nest thermostat send us data about what's going on in the house and if you haven't seen the nest you might want to take a look at it it's available at home depot it's a internet enabled thermostat it sends us data about the temperature in our house and if when the furnace runs and how often it runs and that sort of stuff I also should mention that we always shut down the refrigerator before we leave. When you're in an RV, you can kind of wind down how many groceries you have in the fridge and just bring them with you so you don't have to throw anything away like Mm -hmm. you do when you go on a suitcase trip. We have a a deep freeze in the basement that I leave some things behind in that I don't have space to take. Last month, it cost us 80 bucks in electricity just to keep the the furnace going. So it's not uh, inexpensive to have a house in addition to an RV. The next one, e- email is from Jean. Hello, I was wondering if you could give me a brief description of how you prepare for a long trip. Along with returning from a trip. Well, the reverse process when we get home <laughs> where, where we live does limit us in that we can only keep our motorhome in front of our house for 24 hours. So we run in and out and in and out and make piles of stuff well, we that have, we take care of and put away after we have a little more time. Well, we and have a we spare bedroom. A, and we rent a storage lot where we can take the RV. Right. We have a spare bedroom where we use as a staging area. And for the few weeks before we leave, we kind of just put stuff in there that is uh, going to go in the RV when we do bring it to our house. And so after uh, all these times of doing it, we can easily get it ready in, in one day and have it ready to go on the road. And forget very little. And forget, yeah, I have forgotten a few things. But, well, and the other thing that I think is important is just having duplicates of everything. She's looking at me in surprise. We've talked about getting a new motorhome, and we see now that uh, for the paltry sum of $279,000, you can own a piece of history. Former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin has put her Lexa Class A motorhome on the market. Hmm, she's getting a Class C downsizing from the big Class A. Would it be good for the RV navigators? But if you're interested, you might want to give her a call. Now, do you think we have accents? We all have accents. I don't have an accent. You do. You speak like a Midwesterner because you've lived in the Chicago area all your life. We found a very interesting website, actually, is from an article in the New York Times, how you all use and you guys talk. How did I do there? I'm not good at accents. <laughs> You're from the Midwest. 
So what this professor has done is he's identified certain terms and vocabulary words that are very unique to different areas of the country. And the quiz asks you, if I remember right, only 10 questions. It was really quite short. Yeah. How do you say uh, what word frying, do you use? What word do you use for a frying pan or something like that? And we were astonished how well it placed us. And I encouraged my sister, who was a Midwesterner but has lived the, the most of her adult life in South Carolina, to take it, and it had moved her two-thirds of the way <laughs> to South Carolina. Y'all. <laughs> so if you, if you want to see how well it works for you, it was just a fun thing to try. So this is a dialogue interpreter. So Dial- dialect interpreter. dialect interpreter right so what it it's just very cool it asks you a bunch of questions about words and the way you say things i was very surprised at the things that it said because i just took them i mean we know a sofa and couch and yard sale and tag sale and, and soda sale and pop and that sort of yeah, stuff we know what word do you use for these things but i didn't think some of them that were all that unusual that's because you from the north <laughs> And, and we should know better because we spend it, lots of time in other parts of the But a place to be within 100 miles. Yeah. Within 100 miles of With Chicago. Just a few questions. That's the other thing that is Yeah, and me. we've talked to several people who have taken it, and it has uh, placed them equally as accurately. So they've uh, nailed this. And so if you'd like to try this out with your friends, it's uh, a, a fun thing to try out. We're glad to see, as I posted on the google plus page that the rv business is really coming back gangbusters as baby boomers we like to see lots of options and and things for sale and people buying and uh, into the rv lifestyle because it uh, means that there'll be more places and options for us and it's good to see that the rv business is coming back and in january it was up nine percent new motorhome registrations in the united states were up nine percent in january with registrations of class c units uh, up 29%, according to the report released Friday. A survey of a recreational vehicle manufacturers noted that RV sales shipments totaled 25,467 units in January, making it the best January since 2007, according to the Recreational Vehicle Association. So it looks like the RV market is coming back, and with full campgrounds like we're seeing here and uh, and basically, before the summer season, things uh, seem to be pretty, pretty booming in the tourist industry. That's that's uh, that's good. Well, one of the things we wrestled with when we were thinking about whether we should get a different motorhome <laughs> oh, was, yes. was the data usage question. Um, the internet. Since since we've had um, our fifth wheel, we've had a satellite dish which we installed in Quartzite, and when we bought this motorhome, we painstakingly <laughs> moved it from one roof to the other and got everything hooked up and reconnected. Again, it's not cheap, um, and I know one of the things that I will look forward to when I get home is being able yes. to stream a movie. Um, people keep sending me clips of YouTube videos, which I can never watch um, because we are limited in how much data we, we can just use do in, no video in any one day. And so when we thought semi-seriously about buying a different uh, rig, we thought, what would we do with our data consumption? Is it time for us just to chuck the satellite dish and go to phones? As some other people have done. Yes. And I still think we like the satellite dish pretty well. Um, it's always on. It works It works very well when it's working. <clears throat> and as long as you can see the southern sky, it's going to be there for you. And it's beautiful out here because there are never any trees to get in the way when you're out works west. Works much better out west than it does out east because of the trees exactly and we don't have a portable system for this so it has to be on top of our roof 
However, they have a system called FAP, Fair Access Policy, which means that we get 450 megabytes of data per day. And when it's out, it's out. They slow you down to early modem speeds, which is bad news. And having gotten fapped a few times, we always keep our little um, program running where we can keep an eye on our data consumption and try very hard not to get fapped. Right, and this article called Keeping a Tight Rein on Mobile Data Usage with the Demise of Unlimited Data for Mobile Applications, you may have been one of many who's been stung by the data overage charges. Or perhaps you struggle every month watching your data charges like a hawk, juggling your plan to meet the, your data needs, then remembering to change it again and at the end of the billing month. Or maybe you're like some who simply reach the limit and go cold turkey until the end of the billing period. That's me. That's you. I just turn it off. Yeah, we have different plans for different things. We did activate my iPad, and we have some data on our phones, but basically most of the data that we get for our computers is from the satellite. So he has some tips in here on how to control the amount of data that you use. Watch out for automatic updates. And this is something we've had problems with because one of our computers, if it's left on and on the internet, it will sometimes go to town. Go to town, and we come home and it's we're fapped. And I give you this snake eye, and I say, "Have you been on the internet too much?" And you do the same thing to me, and yeah. it was that darn computer. Download when? Well, when are you going to get new apps and stuff? We have found that the campground internet is very spotty. And, of course, as we go to national parks and to state parks and things, <laughs> and boondocking, there, there is nothing. And even here in the Grand Canyon, our cell phone usage is basically in the voice range and no data at all. So that's a big problem. So one of the advantages of the satellite is, is that it's unlimited download between <laughs> 2 a.m. and 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Which means that when we're out here, and in Arizona's on West Coast time, it's between 11 and 5. 5. So that's really good news for us. 11 and 4. So so that we can start a downloading before we go to bed and uh, get the updates and things of what we need. So that's worked out very well, and that's an advantage of satellite, which is not a... So we download gigabytes worth of stuff. So we do podcasts that way and magazines and newspapers. But you can't... You have to... And everybody and understands the difference between streaming and downloading, so you, you can't use uh, Netflix or anything unless you want to stay up. Watch movies during the Midnight day. movie! Okay. <laughs> uh, streaming nightmares. Yes, you got to be very careful about streaming. Downloading is one thing. Streaming is using the data as it comes down is another one. And, of course, I have the link for this so you can read the entire article. Track your data. If your device doesn't already provide it, get an app that does. And certainly on our phones, we have an app, app that keeps track, and they actually nowadays send you an email. They nag me. They nag you when you use too much data. So these are some tricks that you can use to uh, to control the amount of data. Um, and, of course, getting the, the signal is, is always an issue. And I noticed that uh, Wilson, who makes tons of Internet connectivity, cell phone data, gizmos, has brought out a new device. It's called the Dual Band Signal Booster for Voice and 3DG data networks. It has the world's smallest amplifier, and it looks like a cradle for your phone. And you plug it into your cigarette lighter, and voila! So that would have helped us when we even had bad cell service at Lost Dutchman? 
apparently. Because I was surprised to be so close to Phoenix yeah, and, and not be able too. to have intelligent phone calls with people because right. I get dropped all the time. Right, and so this device is actually a cradle in it, and the, all the electronics are in the cradle, so it just adds a little bit of bulk to your phone, but otherwise it uh, – and it has a separate antenna that goes outside. Do you know how much it costs? About 125 so we'd need one for each phone? No, I think, well, we could just take I don't turns. know exactly. Yeah, I think you'd take turns. Uh-huh. Or maybe if you put it close enough, it would be uh-huh. active. Anyway, anybody who's tried this maybe should should let us know how it works. Wilson has a, quite a few products. The Wilson product that I have has not been very valuable, and I noticed wow. that it is only 3G, not 4G, uh-huh. for these days, uh, so no LTE off of this. Another issue that everybody always talks about is, is how to set up your router. And I was very surprised that a da- magazine like, Consumer Reports, of all places, has an article called Five Things You Didn't Know You Could Do With Your Router. Of course, your router is the thing that's connected up to your internet connection. And it's a a, a techie, tweaky sort of thing to do, but it actually can do a lot of extra things that you may not be familiar with. One of the things that I did, for instance, was set up a guest network. So at our house... I have a guest network so that if somebody comes over, they can log on to the Internet and not have to be told a password, and I don't have to remember the password and blah, 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 blah. I could set it up with a simple password that would be... Uh, guest. Something simple to remember. Or password. <laughs> um, it's isolated from the rest of our network, and, you know, we have so much data that if somebody wants to come and sit in our driveway and steal my Internet, more power to them. Only when we're at home. Well, no, they can do it now, too. We're not home. But and running. I don't want them stealing the data oh, from the well, satellite. Dish. No, I don't have it here on the. No, nobody's borrowing our data here. We we don't know. We're fighting over it already. So anyway, this article is fairly extensive, and it has uh, several things that you can do with your router. That you and it talks about exactly how to do it. Use it as a repeater to expand your router's range. Create your own personal cloud, which I talked about. We've done that um, a couple of months ago. I set up a my own Dropbox right at home, which works pretty well. And make your wired printer wireless, which is cool, so that you can print without having to have a computer on. And beef up your security. So uh, consumer reports. Last uh, technology topic that we will talk about is uh, putting some of those USB sockets to use. I don't know. We have a couple on our dash, and we have a couple. I talked about some plugs that you can buy that have USB. And, you know, it's very easy to buy, and this guy bought them at Ikea, to buy a... USB light that you plug into the USB socket and it provides these days because bright focused light. I was thinking if you were going to do handicrafts or something that it would be nice to have that kind of a light. Right. And you could even plug it into your computer of course too because it uh, it draws such a small amount of power because it's an LED. So if you you nowadays <laughs> we have so many LED sockets and our plugs that we plug into the wall have uh, USB USB has become so ubiquitous that uh, even in the car you can easily plug one of these in and, and get a little extra light from it. And IKEA apparently makes some very nice little lights that you might want to take a look at. And of course, you will find that link on our website also. How about driving around in Alaska? We've done that. 
Well, what makes this article interesting is that it's written by somebody from New Zealand who is obviously an experienced camper, but was worried about driving on the wrong side of the road and sitting on the wrong side of the vehicle, just as we do when we visit his country. But he was so excited about visiting Alaska, he grit his teeth and he came over and he did it and he had a wonderful time. I really like reading articles about our country written by foreigners. I love when we're here at the Grand Canyon and I can um, eavesdrop on Germans who are talking about how they're enjoying their experience here. And um, he had some interesting comments about... It's quite a lengthy article. ...how Alaska felt... For him. Right, and that was his subtitle is Alaska, It Will Change Your Life Forever. Alaska is one of those places that appears on everyone's bucket list at some stage, but it is one of the first to be ignored. This was my chance to change that. No longer is it expensive to reach Alaska, and these days it's also easy to travel around. We chose an RV, our home on wheels, and he talked about how friendly. Alaska is toward RVers, and we certainly found that to be the case. (laughs) His fear was driving this 30 30 30 foot on the wrong side of the road, but apparently he didn't have too much trouble doing it. It sounded like by the time he left the Walmart, he was good to go. (laughs) Because Alaska is a very RV-friendly place. And if it's on your bucket list, dear listener, you might want to consider going to Alaska I don't think it's, you have to go there before it changes because I don't think it's going to change much. But uh, it is a fascinating place to go and one of the best places to spend your RV time. And the RV is really the way to go. If you have to rent motel rooms and eat out all the time, that's going to really cost you because things can get to be expensive in Alaska. We've talked before about the wonderful RV Museum in Elkhart, Indiana, which is kind of the home of RVs, at least in our minds. (laughs) I was surprised to see that there's also an RV Museum in Amarillo, Texas. We should maybe stop there on the way home. I think we'll go through Amarillo. Especially if we stop at the Big Texan. (laughs) For a steak dinner. (laughs) So it sounds like it's got a 1921 cam car on a Model T chassis. The first Winnebago Itasca pop-up tents. Next month we'll have a a report a first-hand report on, on something that we talked about in the RV Navigator podcast. Should we take our own advice? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's a radical concept. I guess I'll click on the link and see where it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. We do have a good time, and we are uh, coming to an end of this winter's travel adventure. From uh, in, in April, we will be heading home because uh, we will be taking a cruise in the middle of May, so we have to spend have a little time. We to go time. home and recycle. <laughs> to get home and recycle everything and get it ready to, to head off to a land where we will not be able to talk. So it's been fun talking to you, and uh, we still have a few days in which we can see you in a campground near us. Uh, we have had a chance this this winter to, to talk to several of our listeners, so that's always a fabulous experience. And we hope that you enjoyed the, the RV Navigator podcast the most. <laughs> <laughs> and, that you don't don't, desert us. and that you don't desert us. <laughs> the world is coming to an end. But we do wa- want to tell you that there are some other options out there and to to take a listen to those two i don't really think that that's a competitive sort of environment but the rving experience is uh, is really hitting us and we are enjoying our time in the rv and we hope that you do too and we hope that we see you in a campground near us in the not too distant future happy travels and we'll see you in may 